Welcome to our podcast. My name is Keely Severson, and I am here with co-hosts Eric Johnson and Alicia Swamy, and together we are Exposing Mold. Today, we are here with Dr. Grunlin, who is a research professor at A&M University in Texas. Welcome, Dr. Grunlin. Thank you. Glad to be here. How did you get interested? So your current, your current area of research is in flame retardants. Yes. How did you get interested in flame retardants and what do we need to know about flame retardants? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, accidentally, like, I guess a lot of, a lot of, a lot of research is accidental, but, uh, I was doing something related to food packaging, but the, the, the coatings I was doing for food packaging, someone at an airplane company asked me, could the same kind of approach be used to make things flame retardant? And I, I did some work for that company and it failed miserably, but it got me thinking about it. And then uh, a few years later, we we had some success with some of the treatments that we do, the flame retardant treatments. And and yeah, the the, the current state of the art uh, uses some chemicals that are not environmentally friendly, and so uh, there's a there's a push on many levels to get more friendly ingredients. Uh, I know there's laws and. I know California has some laws almost wanting to get rid of flame retardant altogether. But if you looked at death toll before and after flame retardant, before fire codes were put in place in buildings and things, deaths were cut by, I don't know, 80 or 90%. You can look it up. I'm, I'm just making the number up off the top of my head. Uh, it Go back 50 years when a building caught fire, it was going to completely be destroyed. And if you didn't get out in two minutes, you're dead, basically. So that's that's the... Now it takes a lot longer for a building to burn down if it does burn down and people can escape and, you know, live so that there's, there's a, there's a two-way street. So I always like to say, you know, not all chemicals are bad. You you can't move in the world without having chemicals come into contact with you and some are good and some are bad and, and, and we can redesign things to be more friendly, so to speak, or, but I I like to say benign because I, I to call it friendly, that means I can bury it in the ground and a tree grows out of it or something like that. That's kind of, that's too extreme, I would say. So is that part of what you're doing is making more friendly versions of flame retardants? Yeah. So I, I, I environmentally benign flame retardant treatments is, is a bit, is the, the single biggest piece of my research portfolio right now. And so almost everything we do is in the form of a coating for lack of a better word, or you can call it a treatment, but, but, but I can put the coating on wood. I can put the coating on polyurethane foam that if you're sitting on a cushioned couch right now, or a chair, you're sitting, whether you realize it or not on a flammable piece of polyurethane, um, that can release carcinogens when it's burning, um, on textiles, uh, we, we coat textiles, etc. So it's kind of like, uh, dyeing. If you want to think of it that way, the same way you would put a blue color on a piece of cotton fabric, you could put my flame retardant treatment, but it won't have the kind of chemistries that people are worried about in terms of uh, health effects. What is it about the chemistry that makes it safer? And and how do you know it's really safer? Uh, well, no one can know 100%. I can't prove 100% anything. Uh, uh, so that's, uh, that's um, it for good or bad. Uh, so, but uh, we, they know a number of these brominated chemicals that are used for flame retardancy, they know through studies that those do cause health problems and they have, and they cause environmental problems uh, and they get into groundwater, et cetera. Um, uh, The ingredients that we're using, 
honestly, half of the ingredients I used would be called GRAS, according to the Food and Drug Administration. That means generally regarded as safe, which essentially means don't. I don't know. I don't know the exact definition, but basically, you can eat anything that's GRAS theoretically and not die from it. Or uh, you know, so chitosan, uh, clay, uh, you know, just almost everything we use is naturally occurring. Uh, you can find it in nature. It's a it's a piece of something that already exists. Um, it's not a man made thing. But now I, I I'm pulling those ingredients together to make a flame retardant so that the only man-made part is taking natural things, putting them together in the right way to make flame retardant. Thank you for answering that. And I don't, I don't have more questions. So I would just like to see if Eric and Alicia have questions. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Home Cleanse, formerly known as All American Restoration, is a company that specializes in improving indoor air quality through proper mold remediation, offering services nationwide. You can visit them at homecleanse.com to learn more. The Mold Guy performs mold sampling and testing for homeowners, renters, and businesses. Please visit themoldguyinc.com to learn more. Black Diamond Services provides solutions to the unforeseen challenges that can affect homes and families with no out-of-pocket costs. Services include temporary housing relocation and mold test referrals for homeowners. Visit blackdiamondservices.com to learn more. Great Plains Laboratory provides toxic exposure testing to those living in compromised environments. Tests include the Mycotox panel that tests for mycotoxins in urine samples and the Envirotox panels tests for environmental chemicals in the urine, and provides an overall metabolic snapshot of a patient's health. Visit gp-labs.com to learn more. Thank you again for your sponsorships. It is integral to our ability to serve our community and to improve the quality of life for all. Well, what are the environmental impacts? What are the health effects? Of... Of my stuff or other stuff or what are we talking about? The other about? stuff, the um, brominated flame retardants. So it's it's my understanding, and I and I, I always have to say I'm not a medical doctor, so you uh, I I'm saying what I've read and what I what I know from the scientific literature. They have um, they've tested uh, when they do blood work of pregnant women, and and, and California has. Um, Part of their laws that I think actually go too far, but 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 it's in response to some of these things. They tested the the blood of pregnant women and the women, and they find um, they find these actual flame retardant molecules in in their blood, which maybe it doesn't matter if it doesn't do anything. But then it's been linked to a higher rate of uh, birth deformities, for for example, so higher than would be expected. So there's a it appears that there's a causal relationship between these chemicals and birth defects and, and health problems in children, you know, that were exposed to these chemicals. Let's put it, let's put it that way. I didn't do the studies, so I can't, uh, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. So I, of course I can't, I, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth too much, but uh, you know, so I'm a, I'm a guy that develops a different kind of a flame retardant treatment. So you could say I'm biased as well. Of course, I'm making a, what I think is a friendlier treatment uh, to replace the stuff that's causing these problems. So that's, I guess that's the situation. Yeah. I heard many years ago, about 20 years ago, there was a study in Marin County that uh, showed a correlation between these brominated flame retardants and breast cancer. Yes. Yep. 
And so there's a bunch of different studies um, of what what happens to these molecules after, you know, they go into something, they go into a piece of uh, furniture, but then you throw, of course, you throw away the piece of furniture and then over time degradation happens and then it, it seeps into the groundwater and, and then it gets into drinking water and then, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, so there's certainly governments around the world now are acknowledging it and uh, and passing laws to um, encourage strongly encourage new chemistries so that won't have these problems. So that's the, that's the ultimate goal of our research. I want to be, but I also want to be super effective with the flame retardant part. So I don't want to miss that. I, I don't want to make it healthier or friendlier and not be as good. So we're, we're making very good flame retardant that's also made with quote unquote nicer materials, you could say. Well, that would certainly be nice to get rid of the uh, harmful effects. I remember when the sick building syndrome paradigm first emerged many years ago, that the uh, polybrominated diphenyl ethers in carpets were considered a primary suspect for people getting sick in these new buildings. Yeah. Now, there is also plasticizers and there's other kind of molecules that are in those things. And some people are sensitive to those as well. So I, I, I don't want to I, I, I don't want to cast too I don't want to make things sound too extreme, but but certainly the, the, the brominated molecules in general, which I don't work with. So uh, but they are linked to but linked to doesn't even necessarily exactly mean causes. It means it looks like it causes so that there is a little distinction there. Well, we've recently heard about bromine atoms being a contributor to cyanobacterial blooms and causing a new newly discovered toxin. Uh, which I can't pronounce, etoxonotoxin, the eagle killer. Mm. Have you heard about that? No, I'm not. I guess I'm not into that aspect of things that deeply. This is this is quite recent. Uh, there was a whole bunch of eagles dying of brain lesions, and uh, it dro drove them crazy. They were looking for many, many different causes, and finally they managed to link it to a perfect storm of the uh, hydrilla in cyanobacterial uh, algal blooms, somehow acquiring a, a bromine atom and through substitution reaction, changing its molecular structure in such a way that it became a more pathogenic toxin. Mm. Well, the, uh, sometimes the same chemistry that has a good effect has a bad effect. So, so bromine is a free radical scavenger, which helps to put out the fire, but it can also lead to other um, reactions. <laughs> So that, uh, and, and in this case, it, uh, I don't know that study, but I, I'm sure many of the health effects are related to the reactions that bromine can cause to happen, basically. Yeah, my, my interest in this is uh, told in Dr. Richie Shoemaker's book, Surviving Mold. In, uh, I, I was getting sick down in the Bay Area trying to figure out what was going on with me. And I was hang gliding over up in uh, Northern California, many thousands of feet up over an area that had been deforested by fire. And so the thermals were really powerful, really good thermals. I mean, it was there's no greenery down there. It was just very hot and dry. So I was having a great old time. And all of a sudden, I flew into something that just knocked me for a loop. I mean, I was so sick. Mm. It's like some horrible toxin was coming up from the ground. And what on earth could this be? And this forest fire was so remote that it had been fought completely with aerial drops of flame retardant. And so I came up with this idea that the microbes, the fungi, whatever was 
reconstituting the uh, soil down there after the, because it, some time had passed, some kind of microbial action with the flame retardant might be producing this toxin. Of course, uh, that sounded completely crazy, but I wondered if there was any way that I could sort of check this theory. Well, I went to the flame retardant loading platforms at airports, had no reaction to the flame retardant. So I don't really have any problem that I can tell to the actual substance, but below the loading platform, there were culverts, drainage ditches, marshy areas, and I went down and got violently ill. And this seemed to be enough confirmation that the microbes might be processing the the flame retardant into something more pathogenic to get doctors to research it. So that's where my quest began to look for a supertoxin that was the result of a microbial synergism with flame retardant. Have you seen any evidence for such a thing? No, but it's it's quite outside of my my research. So it's it's uh, so no, I, I I don't know anything about that. Uh, well, this this kept my attention on this for all these years. So when this recent uh, research came out about the eagle killer, it's like, wow, it looks like we've got confirmation that flame retardants, the brominated flame retardants, are doing something unexpected in the environment. Yeah, so, well, good. good. All, well, all you're doing is giving um, fuel for my uh, research, so that's good. So that's fine. So Absolutely. Everything I'm doing is replacement of brominated flame retardants. So uh, among other things, there's antimony. We're trying to get rid of antimony in uh, flame retardant uh, chemistries. Um, and there's a few other elements slash molecules that people would like to see replaced. Wow, funny you bring up antimony. Um, have you heard about Dr. Sprott in New Zealand and his work with sudden infant death syndrome? No. Well, that's also kind of rare and obscure, but uh, Aboriginal tribes in New Zealand would reuse mattresses for generations, and there was a high rate of sudden infant death syndrome on these old moldy mattresses. And Dr. Sprott came up with this idea that mold was processing something inside the mattresses into a supertoxin. And his testing indicated that it was antimony and it was being processed into a, a sort of gas, an inhalant form. The antimony itself wasn't ingest, you know, it wasn't an inhalant hazard until it was processed by the, uh, the mold. Mm. So he came up with the system called the BabeSafe system, which is basically just a thick plastic covering for the mattress to block out these harmful emissions. Lo and behold, the rate of uh, sudden death syndrome plummeted to near zero. Mm. So this seemed to be confirmation that the microbes are processing antimony flame retardants into something really pathogenic. Mm. Good. I mean, good that, <laughs> that he came up with a solution. Well, unfortunately, the medical profession says there's nothing in the literature. You can't prove it. So therefore, they're not interested, they're using the lack of confirmation in their literature as a reason to avoid investigating the demonstrable results of what the Babe Safe system accomplished. Well, I think indirectly the problem's being dealt with because there is there's a push to get antimony and brominated chemicals out of uh, flame retardant treatments. In general, I'll call it I'll say generally speaking, that there's there's a movement um, of course, pushed by legislation in various places around the world, uh, 
And so there's, which, which fortunately means companies are investing in it. This is a case where company funding is good, or at least it's helping companies that have a current flame retardant treatment that's brominated, for example, could come to me and they fund my work in order to get a treatment that doesn't have those chemicals, but still gives them the same flame retardancy so they can pass whatever the standard is, you know? So like any, any, anything that's on an airplane goes through these stringent fire tests and they need to pass them of course because when people die in a plane crash it's it's uh, many times it's not the crash it's the fire after the crash uh and and trying to get out of the plane and everything um and people who die in a house fire it's usually if they had one more minute or two more minutes they wouldn't they wouldn't have died so it's kind of uh, uh so uh the fl- i i always still want to say the flame retardants are good but 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 we <laughs> want it, we want different chemicals to do the same benefit. Then it starts to be a toss up if the uh, burning of these substances results in lifelong immune damage. Well, uh, I'm sure it does. Uh, anything, even when you burn just a piece of wood, right? If you just take a match, you light a piece of wood on fire, and you, when you're sitting by a campfire, whether you realized it or not, when you see black smoke coming out, any of that that you're breathing, you're breathing carcinogens. It's coming off of the wood. So even natural things give off when they burn. Decomposition products, incomplete decomposition creates chemicals that are not healthy. Breathing black smoke is almost universally bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, I, I live up at Lake Tahoe and I grew up with campfires. And so uh, no matter where you sit, it's like the smoke is always chasing you. And so I certainly got my share. But that's the thing. It seems like. Uh, a lot of us who grew up around campfires aren't really dropping in the same way that people who are exposed to these chemicals are, which sort of leads me to believe that, of course, inhaling smoke is bad, but perhaps these chemicals are worse. Yeah, some some of them. But yeah, the, if we can find ones that are, aren't causing those health problems, but also still put out the fire, then that's going to be the, that's the double whammy in a good way. That's what we're hoping for. Do you think it's possible that some of these manufacturers are aware of the damage from their, their chemicals and that they're kind of somewhat interested in shifting away from it, but not as interested as they should be given the risks? That, well, that's like asking if the cigarette producers had any idea that nicotine was addictive, et cetera. So uh, uh, I think that that's a Yeah, I, I, I don't know. The, is the real answer to your question, but uh, I can imagine that the answer is yes. Yeah, a lot of people in uh, our world, the hypersensitive ones, claim that they are reactive to tents. We A lot of us wind up sleeping in a tent out in a pristine location, trying to get fresh air and recover our health, and they claim that they are reactive to the flame retardants in the tents. And there's a huge push to get very dangerous old-style tents that have no flame retardant on them. So that's kind of where our interest comes in. It's like, what are these flame retardants doing? How concerned do we need to be? Well, you, but you do, I, I still need to emphasize, you, you still need to be concerned about the fire. When the, when the military is uh, out in Iraq uh, and they set up a, a camp with a whole bunch of tents, there's been cases where one tent catches fire, then the whole group of tents catch fire and uh, it, it, of course, creates mega problems for, the, for whatever they're trying to do. Um, 
So irrespective of what people think of the military, but anyway, it's, it's a group of human beings out with a bunch of tents. Uh, and, and if they all catch fire, it's not healthy for them, as you can imagine. Yeah, I was in the army during the Cold War with those grease-soaked canvas tents. And yeah, they'd go up like a torch. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, my my dream, I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know all the reasons or the mechanisms of why brominated things do what they do or antimony does what it does. I just know that there's a need in the world to replace them. And that's my goal, because I believe we need flame retardants. We just need them to not cause cancer. That would, that would be the that would be the. Cancer is just one example, but but yeah, of course, we don't want the side effects. But mo- most people, I think five out of five people surveyed said they would not like to burn alive in a, in a fire. That would be not a good thing. What kind of an attitude is that? <laughs> most other things are always four out of five people surveyed. But the fire thing's pretty unanimous across the board. It's hard because it's like there, it's like a double-edged sword, right? People don't want to die in a fire, but they also don't want to die from the harmful chemical effects that's protecting people from this fire it's like all right the flame retardant's going to save me from this fire but i'm going to die a, a, a bad death of cancer whatever you know 5 10 20 years later it's like yeah. it's insane and i'm just curious like like when you're creating these these chemicals like how in such a short amount of time how are you able to basically identify maybe the longitudinal issues like because we don't have that amount of time. Like we don't have 20 years of research to, to back up your chemical, um, you know, fire retardant that you create, that you created that is more environmentally friendly. Like how do we accelerate these type of things to get the answers that we need? So that way we're not causing harm in the future, I guess. Well, so you, you can start though with the ingredients themselves individually. That doesn't mean, you know, everything. Of course, when you combine things, sometimes different things happen, but I mean, um, uh, uh, an ingredient I use a lot is chitosan, for example, not to get super technical, but um, chitosan comes from chitin. It's just a, mod- a chemically modified version of chitin. Chitin comes from crustacean shells. So imagine when you eat shrimp, what do you think they did with the shell? They throw it out somewhere. And so, and there's a, a whole bunch of shrimp being eaten every day and the shells just get tossed. Well, you can actually extract the chitin out of those shells and then, the, and then, um, you do a chemical reaction, a safe chemical reaction, and it turns it into chitosan, and it makes it water-soluble. So it's a water-soluble polymer. And it it's a beautiful ingredient for flame retardancy. It's also antimicrobial, and it, it's used in food products. It's used in uh, a variety of places, and I, and I think it's generally recognized as safe. Um, you guys can Google that or whatever to figure that out. But, um, and I'm not a medical doctor once again, and I don't work for the FDA, so I I can't vouch for everything they do. Um, but anyway, it's a relatively safe, as far as I know, chemical, um, and it works really well, uh, with some, and I can combine that with phytic acid, phytic acid, you, you might, you've probably heard of it. It's in grains and it's a, it's actually a health ingredient, you could say. Um, so chitosan plus phytic acid, actually just those two things makes a really good flame retardant. Uh, so it's two naturally occurring ingredients where in nature, they're not causing cancer and these other problems that we've heard about. Um, so if I could displace, let's say I could make a wash durable treatment for cotton in places where they, they need to use a brominated thing right now, or they're currently in using one, and it, and it can be done cost effectively, people will gladly switch, you know, so it's it's a... 
Um, so that's the motivation of behind the work, you know, it, but yeah, each of us is just one person and we're each doing our little piece and it takes a bunch of people, it takes a village, eh? <laughs> I guess, to steal the phrase, but yeah, I mean, I, we do the best we can with our little research group and we are, I think we are making an impact because I've worked with some big companies that are seeking to, uh, implement my technologies. So that's good. It's exciting, uh, on a number of levels and, it, and my students are getting taught in the process about how to conduct research and publish and and then they're getting to see real life outcomes which is good a lot of a lot of students don't get to see the real life part if it's antimicrobial is this stuff uh, mold resistant too i can't promise the mold resistance because i don't know i don't know I, it is antimicrobial for sure they've used it um for like contact you know uh touch surfaces, you know, where you just needed contact killing of, of microbes. Um, so you, you um, uh, I don't know about mold. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, but I don't know of the specific study. Keely Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health and the environment that she was living in. Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement for mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. Keely's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keely, please visit exposingmold.com consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today.
Yeah, I know Kaitanese is a popular biofilm buster that you see in a lot of products. And okay, yeah, a lot of people are concerned about the growing issue of biofilms and protecting uh, microbes. Um, yeah, so anything that's rendering antibiotics useless, basically, if you don't use a biofilm buster. But um, if I mean, if you're able to do some research in the the mold end, because I don't know if you know, but there's like an explosion of sick buildings across the United States, and if you're coating on wood is protective against mold. That's a separate use case actually. And that would definitely expand um, reach of your product and help consumers on the other end because people are getting really sick from mold. And that's basically why we started exposing mold because we've all been severely injured by mold in our homes. Uh, because as you know, wood is this you know, cellulose product, gypsum, it basically feeds mold. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, is that something maybe you guys are thinking about or on the horizon of of studying and doing some research to see if maybe, you know, any toxic black mold would grow on this uh, wood or not? Well, you're uh, so your your podcast, I guess, is mo- you have a whole podcast for mold. So I, I didn't even know about that until you reached out to me. But I, I um, but it, it, no, absolutely. So we it just so happens. Uh, but I, but I was thinking of it as the minor part of the research, not the major part, but now we might twist it a little bit, but we're working on a proposal with staff at the USDA uh, specifically for flame retardant slash mold resistant wood. And part of that research then, of course, USDA has some test facilities where they can evaluate. Uh, I don't know which mold specifically that they evaluate or whatever, but basically I would put my flame retardant treatment onto the wood and they'll, of course, they'll test the fire resistance, but they'll also test mold resistance. And I think, um, well, the dream would be uh, we get good results. And But even if the results are promising, that's where the research comes in. Let's say it does it a little bit, but not enough or something like that. Then we look for ways, how can I change the recipe a little bit to make it even more effective? You know, And that's where the research comes in and takes takes a little bit of time. But yeah, the dream will be we have both of those functionalities put into the wood at the same time with the same treatment. Um, yeah. And it would be wonderful if people would adopt that. And then eventually another step forward to Eric's kind of comment, I want them to start using our kind of chemistry in some of these dump fluids that they use to put out forest fires, you know, the flyover. Cause I was just, I love, I love wine. Here's a little secret. Uh, and so I, I like to go to Napa Valley and, and try the wine there. Uh, and when they've had the fires recently and, in the, those areas, you can still see the red stain from the um, from the where they dumped the, the. It looks so. It looks totally unnatural, you know. In the distance, you're like looking at these beautiful vines, and then you just see a big red stain in the you know in the middle of the hill or whatever. Um, I'm not so worried. It doesn't look nice, but but I but I also think some of those chemicals aren't the greatest. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact composition of the dumper fluid, but I do think. Uh, uh, similar cost fluid uh, liquid could be created. I mean, it would be water-based, but it, but the ingredients inside of that water could use some of my chemistry and then get rid of some of the things they're currently using. And it could be a lot nicer uh, fluid, you know, so, and maybe I'll try to make it a, a different color so it doesn't look so ugly on the, you know, the grapevines either. That's, that would be, that'd be a side, small side issue. Yeah, that would be interesting to, I mean, even... <laughs> I mean, because fire retardants are so pervasive now, we spoke to a lab from UC Davis and they do a lot of research on uh, fish 
And uh, what they're finding is basically like a chan a transgenerational, like bioaccumulation of these retardants throughout, yes. you know, each generation <coughs> of fish coming through. And it's like, maybe researchers like you have to team up with medical researchers to see like, what can we do to deal with not only innovate and create something better, but what can we do to deal with this bioaccumulation issue? And how can we get this out of the body of people that, you know, are getting affected by this or even aquatic life or whatever is happening in the environment? Because we know that a lot of the stuff that is being used out in the field to fight forest fires, which we all know, we all can tune into the news th these days and see fires every year just getting worse and worse and worse. And obviously they're going to be using more of that chemical and all that stuff is basically altering the soil chemistry. And as Eric noted earlier, creating more harmful algae blooms, which is another secondary effect. Um, and so it's like, we need all these solutions, you know, in a short amount of time, because it seems like we're just getting affected and getting bombarded by all these chemicals that are just free floating in the environment these days. Yep. Well, you, you, you and I have the same goal. So that, I mean, that, that I told you that the dream is that we can swap out uh, nicer chemistries for more harmful chemistries. And the more that that happens, of course, the hopefully the incidences of negative ramifications go, you know, goes down. So whether it's sudden infant death syndrome, whether it's cancer, whether it's some other ailment, um, or whether it's even environmental, like like certain plant life are dying because of, of chemicals that are in the in the in the soil. Um, I yeah, the, our goal, our hope is that we can, I'm not the medical guy, so I yeah, I don't I don't conduct the fish studies or the you know the medical studies, but I I'm the guy that finds the alternate chemistry that won't cause those problems, and then uh, and then hopefully get people to swap those in. You know, sw switch in the good stuff for the bad stuff, and then then we're off to the races, kind of. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're going to have to keep in touch, especially with um, the USDA doing their studies on uh, if this chemical makes the wood mold resistant. I mean, that's such a huge market to tap yeah. into. Because of course, I have to win. I have to win the funding first, but yeah, that's what we're we're working on right now. Yeah, that's always a joy. It's always it always comes down to funding for the yeah. majority of things if we want to get stuff moving here. Yeah, um, I don't have any more questions. Do you, Eric? No, I'm fine. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Grenlin, for joining us today. Um, I don't know if you want to put your information out there, but if anyone is interested in your work or um, looking more into what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, uh, I'm at Texas A&M University in College Station, Texas. Uh, my email is my, I, I, I'm, I can see on Zoom here, I'm, it's jgrunlin, and then my email is at tamu.edu, because that, that's tex, Texas A&M University. Every university ends in .edu for their email address. Um, and if you go, anyone who Googles me, Jamie Grunlin, first name, it looks like Jaime in Spanish, um, I'm easy to find. So I'm, I'm all over the place. Um, but uh, yeah, so certainly reach out if, if you need to know more about the environmentally benign flame retardant we're doing. And I, and I appreciate the, the education I got as well on the mold situation. And that is something I'll take a closer look at. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time.